Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, November 1st, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You, and we are on page 154, and we are starting with the first full paragraph, Bitterly Discouraged. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Margaret K, 12 Traditions, Meg O, and then Daia, Katie G, Hoodie, and Sharon. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Margaret Kay to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, NIPS. Thank you, Margaret. I will now ask Meg O to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. This is Meg O, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. 
a loving God as he may expect himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your commenting to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you share and be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You on page 154. And we're starting with the first full paragraph, Bitterly Discourage. And Daya, can you read for us, please? Star one to unmute. Good morning. I am um, Daya, a compulsive overeater from Illinois. 
bitterly discouraged. He found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone but whom. Again, I am Daiya from Illinois, and I am recovering because I have not worked the steps up to uh, step nine yet. I'm in um, almost at step six. Uh, I was discouraged, very discouraged before I found this vision for you. I thought about how I had been in the program for almost 28 years, the Food Fellowship Program. And all I did was just slip and slide, jump all around the place because what I was doing was dieting with support. God, spirituality, nothing was on my mind except control and looking decent, um, keeping a body that wasn't overweight. But before I found this program, I did really hit rock bottom because I looked around one day and I realized I had people in my life that I didn't particularly want in my life and who who served me no purpose. So um, I sincerely prayed to God, not just doing a foxhole prayer. I connected with the God of my understanding and asked God to please put me with someone who would be willing to help me change. I had no idea about vision for you, 12-step, nothing. I was in a a program, but it was just saying weighing and measuring without exception, which wasn't enough for me. It may be enough for some people, but it just wasn't enough for me because at first I was able to get three years, two years, then it got down to a couple of hours. And I knew I had to just change. And like the beginning of this first paragraph, of this paragraph, bitterly discouraged. I was very discouraged. I was thinking that maybe it was something wrong with me, psychologically, which it, it is, I guess. Um, there's some type of malady when we have addiction. But I am just so grateful that I found this program and all of the people that's in the program. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Daiya. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Hi, Good morning. It's Leah. <laughs> I heard Leah and I heard someone else. It was Laura, but you know what? I'm going to pass. Laura, my kids. Oh. My, I'm going to pass. My kids are getting up. Sorry. Thanks. Okay. All right. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Monica, for your service. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, bitter. Of course, we're reading a little bit of our history. This involves Bill W. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited, and almost broke. Um, Bill was sober about six months at this point when he had this business deal that went awry, it went bad. Um, he's sober, um, 
but you see restless, irritable, and discontentment can still rear their heads. Uh, that's why we have a program um, that we live a way of life because, um, you know, selfishness, uh, dishonesty, resentment, and, and fear can rear their head. Um, we'll continue to read the story, but it says, still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. Why was his predicament dangerous? I mean, for goodness sakes, he's sober, he's eliminated alcohol. I mean, <laughs> isn't that uh, all that's necessary? But that's not all that's necessary for a real alcoholic, and that's not all that's necessary for a real compulsive overeater like me. Um, eliminating the substances that trigger me is an absolute necessity, absolute necessity, but it's also just the very beginning. Eliminating binge foods or alcohol in Bill's case is just the beginning. The greater aspect of the disease um, is is the obsession of the mind, is the obsession of the mind. So once the binge foods or alcohol is eliminated, we're dealing with the greater aspect of our disease, which is a mental problem. It's a mental obsession. However, Bill is recovered, and as we read the story, we're going to see how that restoration of his sanity is going to come into play. So yes, uh, bitterly discouraged because he's human. Even though he's recovered, he hasn't risen above being human. Um, He still has feelings that float through and emotions that float through. But we're going to see as we read on that he's not governed by his emotions and feelings any longer. He's governed by a new master. He's not governed by the master of alcoholism. He's not governed by the obsession of the mind any longer because he's recovered. He's governed by some principles, some spiritual principles that now... um, direct his life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Sylvia? Sylvia, go ahead. My name is Mark, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from New York City. Okay, it'll be Sylvia and then Mark. I love hearing a man's voice. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I'll keep mine short. Uh, the, The thing that I am reminded about in this paragraph is that uh, still physically weak and sober, but a few months. He saw that his predicament was dangerous. And that is my experience as a someone who's, who uh, was working to get recovered and as a sponsor, that it is such a tenuous time there. You know, we feel so good. We feel so hopeful at first because we think maybe there is a solution But it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect and easy, and that predicament was dangerous. And um, and so, uh, you know, I've heard so many amazing things uh, on this meeting, which I say to myself and I say to others. And um, this morning I was saying to someone, and I probably won't get it exactly right, but it's, uh, do we want the pain of discipline or the pain of remorse? And that is the, it's this moment where we're going to have to make a decision of whether we're going to continue on this path towards recovery, which is difficult, but then 
that going back into the food and that relapse, that's horrendous. That's, that's horrible. So we do have to make a decision. Um, and he wanted so much to talk to someone. It's the only one I can talk to is God and someone else who's been in my predicament. And anything else, everybody, nobody else would ever understand. And it is not helpful for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Mark, go ahead, Mark. Okay, I apologize for uh, taking a little bit of time to get the muting situation uh, straight. So I've been I've been introducing myself this morning and not realizing that I was muted. Um, I'm from New York City. I am a first timer on this call. I learned about uh, Vision for You at the recent retreat, and I'm very excited to be here. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah. And welcome yeah. so much for for coming on and listening and studying the big book here with us this morning. Yeah. This is a, a very appropriate paragraph. Uh, yesterday, I spent a day uh, basically uh, in a funk, and I didn't necessarily experience the uh, uh, bitterness, but certainly depression, uh, and certainly feeling on some level discredited and almost broke. Uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, recently feeling the um, the gift of. Uh, fear of economic of uh, people in economic insecurity leaving me, and that has been my experience. But it certainly wasn't that way yesterday. But I um, I feel that um, I'm in the middle of my fourth step and um, working that inventory and trudging through it really. Um, and I'm in, I'm encouraged and to uh, to move through this quickly. I've heard it from a number of different people that I. Uh, that I value to to work that through quickly, and I and I realize that a lot of other issues are coming up for me in this process. So it does feel it does feel pre- like like my situation is precarious, and that uh, it, it could be it could be dangerous. Although I feel that my uh, my abstinence is strong at this point. I have um, about I have four months of uh, weight and measured abstinence so that feels strong but there are other issues that I know, that I need to deal with and in the process of working my fourth step and working the step program I I'm uh, I'm doing that uh and I'm still physically weak and although I've been in program for this program for uh, 12 and a half years I am abstinent honestly for just a few months uh, so I do feel that I relate to this uh, to the situation that he's in, and um, getting to a meeting every day is something that that I need to do. This is really wonderful to be able to start out my day by opening the book and listening to the experience, strength, and hope of uh, the people on this call. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? I heard Bella and somebody else. Who? That would be Paula. 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 Okay, Bella and then Paula. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for leading this meeting, and thank you, everybody that is on the line. I loved very much this paragraph. It's a paragraph with hope, and it reminds me exactly what is the purpose of this program. It starts with 
he found himself in a strange place. Yes, before the program, I was in a strange place when I knew that my uh, that my overweight is a physical problem. So I, f- I found myself physically broke, and nothing, I didn't think even what about my emotion. And yes, because I was only in the physical field, I asked myself, um, he wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? I knew that I am physically weak. I have a problem of eating. I cannot do it. I don't have the willpower. I am lonely and alone. I found myself all the time isolated. So I didn't, I really didn't know, I didn't have with whom to talk. Now, thank God, thank God that I am in the program. I know more about my disease, and I know that my disease is not only on the physical level. I know that my disease is also in the emotional level and also in the spiritual level. And when and I am still a human being, and I still can feel my, that I am physically weak, but when I ask myself, Yes, I want to talk, but with whom I know I have God to talk with, and I know that he is here for me, and he wants to listen to me, and he listens to me, and yes, I am physical weak now, and but it says here, uh, he's still sober. Yes, I am doing the program, and I feel physically weak and not myself, but I know that I, I am connected to God. And this is the program to live and to enjoy life. Life is a gift, and I can enjoy life even though I am physically weak when I am connected with God. I can always talk to Him. And it's, it's, it's a gift for me that I have now the opportunity to know God and the power of the, of the power of God, that the power is love and care. Yes, and I have all the time with whom to talk. I talk to God because He is here and there for me. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Paula, go ahead. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'm just going to put this in reverse just for a moment here and I'm going to go to the preceding the the chapter before the uh paragraph before where this guy because I can identify with this he got goes into this meeting and he thinks wow everything's going to be wonderful yep this is what's going to happen finally financially I'm going to be set on my feet we can come along here and then what happens and look at what happened the proceeding was shot through with much hard feelings and controversy Wow, the way he came in was not the way he went out. That's life. Bitterly discouraged. I don't blame him. I think he very aptly put those words there. He found himself in a strange place. A place he had been to before. But the outcome wasn't the same. Because I know what I did, honey, when I was bitterly discouraged. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months. 
He saw that his predicament was dangerous. You see the pause here? He saw. Why did he see? Because he looked. I never looked. But look at, may I just for a moment go back to 133? Now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dispiation. You know what I'm saying here? They mentioned both. And as it ended, as I will now, it ends with, he wanted so much to talk with someone. There, the transformation. I never wanted to talk with anybody. Get me to my drug, my drink, my bite. That's where it was. This is God. He did ask God first. He wanted so much to talk with someone. There it is. But whom? Even here, he asked the question. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Katie G., would you read, please? Hi, Ken, Monica. This is Katie G., recovered from Boston, Mass. One dismal afternoon, he paced the hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At the end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and relief. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Well, my name's Katie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be on the line this morning. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I spent years, right, um, in the same sort of (laughs) discomfort that Bill is describing, um, the bitter morass of self-pity, the loneliness. Um, I did not know that um, eating and exercise bulimia and anorexia and puking, I didn't know that those weren't my problem, that they are the only solutions that I ever apply to my problem, that I applied them to my restlessness, my irritability, and discontent. And here's Bill, right? Like, he's been sober, and he's pacing this lobby, this lobby, and he's wondering, all right, well, how am I going to get this? How am I going to solve my problem? How am I going to have this bill be paid? You know, and how many times did I think, how am I going to solve my problems today? What am I going to do? You know, I'm abstinent, thank you, God, now, you know, I'm 130 pounds, and that's great, guys, right? Like, not being 228 pounds, not being 110 pounds, like, that's good. Like, being in a healthy body, A-OK, get the stamp from the doctor, that's great, important, an important part of recovery. But what wasn't there was the mental understanding that I have a brain that that is going to destroy me if I do not have a connection with God, right? Because ultimately, eating is going to be a step up from how I feel about myself. I'm going to look at the gay crowd inside a restaurant and think, wow, do I remember when food just took that edge off, right? Like, 
throughout my whole life, I've been this really fear-based person. We've been uncomfortable with other people. I'm so afraid that you're going to reject me, so I'm going to reject you first. I'm so afraid of failing that I'm not going to try. And so I end up eating because otherwise I don't have the courage to get through my life, right? Like, and food, thinking food is the only thing that's going to get me through a lonely weekend, right? And this is where it's so clear to me that if I don't stay engaged with that 10, 11, and 12, if I don't stay engaged with my primary purpose, which is to help other people today in this program, to be a conduit for God, then I am going to need that courage from a human power. I am going to need that food. I'm going to need that alcohol. I'm going to need that whatever it is that I think is going to fix me that's external to help me get through the weekend. You know, and thank God. Like, thank God for Bill going through this um, because, you know, it clarifies for me what I need to do today to stay abstinent, to stay sober, emotionally sober, and to stay free because he says in there I would he would find companionship and relief. Well, today I know, do I want relief or do I want freedom? If I want relief, I can pick up the food. That's my, that's my prerogative. If I want freedom, then there are a few other steps, 12 of them to be exact, that I need to take and I need to practice the willingness to bear discomfort of being in the world today, right, and not reacting like a compulsive overeater, but reacting as a woman of honor, dignity, and grace who has a solution today as a recovered woman. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hello, this is Meg. Hey, Meg, go ahead. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. This is Meg, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. In these two sentences, I see two choice, uh, two things here that he has to choose between. And throughout my day, there are so many choices like this. What am I going to do? Am I going to do A or am I going to do B? Sometimes there's a C in there. But usually the end result of any of the choices that I make are this. Am I going to be selfish and go against God's will? Or am I going to serve others and align my will with God's? And so when I have the choice to spend the night making phone calls, or washing the dishes for my family. Or I could go into my room, I could read a book, I could watch TV, I could go out and I could buy some food. What do I choose? And in recovery, that is where it has given me the power and the ability to take a moment before I make that decision And ask God, God, what would you have me do right now? How can I be useful? And that God consciousness is where I am confident that whatever choice I make, I am making the choice that is in alignment with his will. And that is the beauty of it. With that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Meg. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Sarah? Sarah, go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Uh, good morning, everybody on the line. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And I, too, as was stated before, was focused on that. And I was thinking about, you know, I've always felt like there's there's two parts of, of a human being, you know. There's this part of us that that wants to do right. And there's this other part of us that wants to be def- defiant. And it is about um, trust, you know. I think this is where Bill was questioning his trust of his higher power, his trust of himself. Um, you know, he's stating that he has he's having fears about how he's going to pay his bill. Uh, he's still living in the world of the material. Uh, you know, it isn't so much as what I can get from the world as what I can give to the world. And, you know, it's he's still looking at him, me, 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 about, um, you know, how he's going to have a lonely weekend, uh, how he is afraid. You know, he said he, he wouldn't have the courage unless he did. And, you know, I can really identify with that. I think, you know, when we're, when we're in the, uh, you know, food is a little bit different, but a, a lot of addictive behaviors really does bring about this um, perceived courage that we think we have, um, I think uh, uh, some of, you know, maybe the food addiction sometimes is a little bit more isolated, but, you know, drinking for sure makes people feel very uh, defiant and, you know, like they could do things that they never thought they could do was possible. Um, But, uh, you know, I guess I go back to the idea that, you know, he doesn't feel safe he he is insecure, so he really is not quite trusting his higher power. And I learned a long time ago the acronym for um, for trust is try really using step three, and that has helped me through my recovery. And the other thing is that um, you know, as people have said in in um, in this room, and and I've heard before, you know, the monkey's off my back, but the circus is still in town. And that's what the trust, the, the, the third step really allows me to do, uh, to truly trust that you know, God is going to help me through whatever it is that I'm going through. And I think that's the struggle he's having. And yes, I think it does help to have another alcoholic or another person that we're helping, but I think in the end our dependence needs to truly be on a higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Let's move on to the excuse me. Okay. Um I heard I heard Leah and I heard somebody before Leah. Who was that? Elaine. Elaine, okay. Elaine and then Leah. Go ahead, Elaine. Hi, this is Elaine Recover Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. And I just kept thinking about, you know, looking at the attractive bar room and the gay crowd inside and just remembering how many times I went into bar rooms and restaurants and binge rooms and, um, you know, 
thinking that I was going to find something in there that I couldn't find. And even though I found some substance that might dull my pain a little bit, the loneliness and despair never left. In fact, it went even deeper because I could not find the fellowship that I desired that the big book talks about as a promise that you find in this community because it wasn't real connecting. There was a refrigerator or a grocery store standing between me and anybody that I was talking to or other substances as well. And so that, um, that despair was never lifted. It was never a solution. It was just a postponement. And that uh, connection, that fellowship that I craved, that being able to stand eye to eye and look right into somebody's eyes because I'm clear with God and I'm clear with them because of the work of the 12 steps is not something I experienced. I'd walk into those into those rooms, into those places, and and life would happen. I'd, I'd find somebody whose toes that I stepped on or uh, something they, they said would cause me to react or just my own life, my own emotions, my own self-perceptions and insecurity and, um, you know, fear would come up and, and it would drive me deeper, you know, more food, more drinks, more whatever, more loneliness, more despair. And... Um, Again, right at that time, we have that choice. We have that choice every moment, like somebody shared, of um, how are we going to move ahead. Today, it may not be the food, but today it may be that, you know, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call somebody. I'm not going to get into that meeting. I'm not going to share my experience, strength, and, strength and hope. And those are things that stand in the way of me building that community that I crave. And um, so thank you for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Monica. I just wanted to bring out this point here. It says, um, you know, he could see the gate crowd inside. In there he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Um, well, for the first time since his spiritual awakening in Towns Hospital, um, you know, Bill is humbled by the um, that King Alcohol, uh, you know, it's rearing its head. He's in hot water. <laughs> he is in hot water um, because he's got this euphoric recall going on, um, you know, that that uh, those drinks, I mean, just look at the wording here. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage. He might not have the courage. Do you get courage um, from from a beverage? You know, but I, I relate to that. Uh, you know, there was some e sense of ease and comfort that I got when I dug my fists into cellophane bags and boxes. But um, he is recovered at this point. He's recovered, and he has the ability to make a different choice. It says, at one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. He's, and the other side, of course, this is in the Mayflower Hotel, he's got the attractive bar. Uh, so that's a choice that each and every one of us who are recovered or in the process have every day. We're either moving towards disease or moving towards God, either moving towards self-centeredness or moving towards God-centeredness. Um, and, you know, this in there he would find companionship and release. Um, you know, that 
that was always our solution. That was always our solution. So it shouldn't be surprising, you know, when we come in here and we get recovered and we're in, or we're in the process and we say that God is the solution and people look at us baffled like that's the only solution. Well, why should that be su- surprising? Food was always my solution. Food was always where I, um, you know, relied, depended on um, for ease and comfort, and that was my basic flaw. My basic flaw had been faulty dependence, just like Bill's faulty dependence had been on alcohol. My basic flaw had been faulty dependence on food or on people or on certain circumstances to supply me with a feeling of security, to supply me with a feeling of well-being and happiness and a sense of contentment. You know, food changed instantly my perception of reality. Just like Bill here um, felt like if he could only have a few drinks, it would change his perception instantly of reality and he would have courage. It would give him a sense of comfort and a sense of courage and it would ease that loneliness. Well, what if we can find a way to live where our mind doesn't lock on that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by drinking alcohol or by eating the food. And that process is called recovery. And that's what this is all about, implementing these steps, having a spiritual awakening, and being able to, be, to make another choice due to being restored to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Hoodie, would you read, please? Hi, good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks? No more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice again. It was that old, insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. And this paragraph relates to me. And it just reminds me also about, and more about alcohol, that gym story where, um, you know, that same, oh, why not take a bottle of whiskey? Oh, on a, oh it doesn't matter on a full stomach. That still, he, but here, Bill, he, um, he he noticed he he was um he he was recovered and he um and he noticed that there was something there there was some that insanity was creeping in but I want to share here this just shows that example of my restless my irritable and my discontent bringing me back to my step that step one we were powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him, as we understood him. And it's just, this, this is, a, is a sore example that we're never, we're never, we're never cured of this disease. And we're always, we're always going to crop up. Fear is, fear grips him. And even after working the, um, the steps and being recovered, um, I'm going to always have to make that choice. I, today, every day, I get to make that decision. Am I going to be abstinent? 
am I going to do what God's will is for me, or am I going to go and bury myself under layers and layers of binge foods and the cellophane bag and the grocery box. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Hoodie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Good morning, and thank you all for for being at this meeting and um, for letting me share. And what I see in this uh, these couple of paragraphs is that it all begins in the mind. Look how he's already writing about one dismal afternoon, one um, uh, attractive bar. You know, these 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 um, emotions are going through him. He doesn't know how to make his decision. He's like contemplating. Uh, what should I do? What is what is going to happen? And it is all in his mind. And he still, that's where it started. That's where it's starting for me. And um, that is a dangerous place for me. And um, I know that when I have negative thoughts or any kind of thoughts that are going to lead me even to look at the uh, stuff that I shouldn't be looking at or it's going to tempt me, then I know I have to work my program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Sally. Sally, go ahead. Thanks, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. This is an amazing couple of paragraphs that we're looking at today. It's like we are doing an analysis of a binge versus the analysis of a choice. And as we take these paragraphs, I cannot help, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I cannot help but go back to that one sentence which leads into this paragraph. Down the lobby, a door, a gay crowd inside. In there he would find companionship and release. And then he goes on to talk about the courage he might find. And then here we are in this paragraph that we're reading. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table? A bottle of ginger ale before him. Sounds an awful lot like Jim, the car salesman, who sat down with a glass of milk and then ended up with a couple of shots of whiskey and milk. And so here he is thinking about the experiment. How about just sitting and having a bottle of ginger ale? After all, had he not been sober? Six months now? Six whole months? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, just three, no more. Fear gripped him. He's on thin ice. I'm reminded of page 24. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. A page 24, uh, sorry, page 42, I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank thoughts. And on page 92, where it talks about the mental twist. But here he is now with this mental blank spot, the mental twist. He's so twisted up in his thinking. And finally, he recognizes he's on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity. That first drink, for me, it was a first bite of a piece of pizza. 
that led to 100 pounds for him. He knows. Oh, my goodness. Here it is, the first drink with a shiver. He turns away. Perhaps he even speeds up his walk down that lobby to the church directory. He's making his choice as we, on a daily basis, because we only have a daily reprieve, we make our choices. Music and gay chatter still floating to him from the bar. Still the word gay, the gay crowd, the gay chatter. Maybe not. Maybe not so gay. When I read the word find companionship, I, he says in there he would find companionship. No, he's not. We all get led down that road to isolation. From there he'll find release. Release. For me it was always bondage. It was not a release. It might have been for two seconds when we stopped holding our breath, if we were holding our breath, because if we're recovered, we're not holding our breath anymore. If we're just abstinent, we're holding our breath. But for him, he's saying companionship versus and release. For me, it was isolation and bondage. It's just twisted thinking. And that's what we have always, a choice. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to share this? Is Lois. Lois, go ahead, Lois. This is Vered. Good morning, Monica. Lois and then Lois and then Vered. Good morning, uh, Vision for You. This is Lois, covered in Massachusetts, and this is such a a, a powerful paragraph. Uh, how many times I have stood in Bill's footsteps at the Mayflower Hotel and in my own Mayflower Hotel in the rest of, you know, many years in my life. And I had stood there after some, you know, uh, after some abstinence. I One time it was more than six months abstinence I had stood in those footsteps and, and I had had those same thoughts and those same feelings and I had not shivered and turned away. You know, so when I read this, I say, Oh, thank God, the way I read it today, I know I I do shiver and turn away. Every now and then I might have a thought like that, and I have shivered and turned away. Because, first of all, because I am recovered, and I have received, you know, a um, spiritual experience, and I've been given the privilege of knowing, you know, that my, my thought, my thinking has been distorted by this disease and the obsession of the mind has been restored by taking, uh, by going through the, four, the steps four through nine, the way it's suggested in this book. And I have been relieved of that obsession. So when I read this, I see the difference. You know, for years I have done that over and over again, and and had not shivered and turned away. So you know, if you're in in the beginning of your recovery, or you new and you're coming back, you know, please be. Be, be hopeful that this this process, this book, can show you how to how to recover from this fatal, hopeless disease, mind and body. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Barrett, go ahead. Star one to unmute, Barrett. Okay, well, while we're waiting for Vered to come back, apparently a little technical difficulty there. Hi, this is Mon- Okay, go ahead, Vered. 
Okay, sorry. Uh, I thought I was muted and I wasn't. Uh, this is Vera, the recovered compulsive overeater from Jerusalem. Uh, this paragraph just really shows to me that it's all about a miracle that cannot be done by any human. How many? Billy here is at the very beginning of his journey. I mean, he's recovered, but just at the very beginning. And when I think about myself, how many times... Um, I sat in front of, of, you know, of a binge food, that's for something that for me is a binge food, and my mind went, shall I take it? No. Yes, no. Yes, no. And of course, before I got recovered, it was always in my mouth. So there he is in front of a drink. And as it says on page 84... Um, we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recall from it as from a hot flame. Um, and it, this is just amazing because it's not Bill's willpower. He is there and his mind is for a few seconds going crazy. But thank God he is recovered. And, and as it says here, we react sanely and um, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. So basically, if it happens automatically, it means that something took Bill and, thank God, took me from my binge food and him from his drink and brought me to some place that feels stable and normal. And when we do our work, God does his, and this paragraph that I just read on uh, page 8485 uh, finishes with that is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So thank God that God has mercy on us. At the very beginning, a lot of mercy. When we do our part, he does his. And thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Varad. Would anyone else like to comment before we close here? We've got a couple of minutes. This is Rochelle. I can comment. Go ahead, Rochelle. Good morning, everybody. I, I think this program is so amazing, and this this meeting is just amazing. Also, I just want to contribute a little bit. When I when I hear this paragraph about the tension that he experienced before, should he go to the left or should he go to the right? Should he go where the gay voices are or should he do something else? It's so amazing because that's the choice that we have. That's the choice that we have when we used to stand in the front of the refrigerator. You know, I used to wonder, you know, like, why is it that I, when I extended my hand, the food would find its way into my hand, and I would be able to move that hand, and it would go to my mouth. Well, why, does, why can't I stop it? I couldn't stop it. I couldn't understand the intellectual exercise of why did my body do something that my mind didn't want to do? And it was, like, so negative. Like, I had no choice anymore. Like, I had to do what I was compelled and I just couldn't understand it. And, and that's where I was. And today, I'm free of that. Today, I don't have to go to the refrigerator and open the door and say, oh, what's doing in here? What's exciting? No, I don't have to make a choice of am I going to choose the exciting food or am I going to choose recovery? Today, recovery is a natural. Of course I'm going to choose recovery. It has to be crazy and stupid not to choose it because look what I've got. I've got a blessed life, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. And this is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are seeing Bill 
um, Bill had that sudden spiritual experience there in the hospital room where God came to him and it changed his, he had the spiritual experience. He had a personality change. His thinking was changed. His attitude was changed. God did this for him very suddenly. For most of us, this is going to be a slow process that we get while working through the the 12 steps here, we will get a spiritual awakening. And that spiritual awakening gives us that pause. We know where we, where and what we are. I am a compulsive overeater. I have an allergy of the body. I have an obsession of the mind. And I have a will that I have a spiritual problem too. So he's been through all that, but he's showing us here, life still happens. Things are still going to come up. You may still find yourself restless, irritable, and discontented. But now because of what you've gone through, the spiritual awakening, you pause. And you know you have a choice. You, you have another, uh, there's two paths. You either go, like Leah said, you either go through uh, towards the disease or you go towards God. And that's what the spiritual awakening gives us. We now know uh, differently. And so here, he's being faced with something. You know, this is his experience. He's having a temptation here. But he's able to pause. And, and that, God does that for us. God makes that possible. And he makes a decision. You know, he's responsible for his recovery. And he sees the truth here. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know before. We couldn't see what we didn't see. But as a result of working the steps and cleaning your house, God is going to give you a new pair of glasses. You're going to see and know things you didn't before. And then you'll be able to make a different choice. And with that, I'm going to pass. And we've run to the end of our time here. And I would like to thank you, everyone who has shared and we will now close with a reading from a big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Sharon, could you read a version for you, please? Yes, I can, Monica. Good morning. Good morning to all. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Grateful to be on the line this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Sharon.